Welcome to She Said, LUK's first ever podcast series. Broadcasting from the LUK fashion cupboard. My name's Rhiannon and I am Elle's trans columnist. Hello, I'm Miss Kimberly and I'm Rhiannon's friend. <laughs> I'm Kenya Hunt, Fashion Features Director at Elle and I edit Rhiannon's column. Hi, I'm Lottie and I'm the Deputy Editor of Elle magazine. Today we'll be talking about being trans and what that means in 2015. Um, so really the um, the impetus for this entire podcast is Rhiannon's column for Elle, which you've been writing for a few months now, and it lives online and there's a video series called The New Girl, and then you've just written a feature for our January issue. But Rhiannon, why don't we start with you telling us about your experiences What's your earliest recollection of just being in the wrong body, so to speak? It was when I was seven years old, and I distinctly remember going into my mum's wardrobe and pulling out a long blue skirt and putting it on, and it just feeling like, oh, this is kind of what I'm supposed to be wearing. This feels really comfortable. But mm. seven years old, it's fun and it's playful, but I definitely do distinctly remember it being feeling right. Mm. Mm. Lottie made this amazing point yesterday, which I loved so much about the idea of, like, performing womanhood and then becoming it because you've both performed and drag and then you've transitioned into womanhood what what was that transition like for both of you well i mean just to add to that there's a, a big school of thinking that says we, we're all performing on yeah. our gender it's all a performance i think it was judith butler wrote about it in uh, her gender studies you know every day i get dressed i'm performing an idea of myself as a woman albeit a kind of androgynous woman but that's the way I present myself to the world. So in a way, performing your gender through drag or through anything is, is an exaggerated version of that. Absolutely. Interesting, yeah. yeah. To coin the phrase mm. that, you know, RuPaul has said over and over again is that, <laughs> you know, we're all born naked, the rest is drag and yes. mm-hmm. we're all just we're all just a body, we're all just mm. a, an energy mm-hmm. in the universe, you know, and how we decide to dress and what we decide to do is is kind of gender um i had to actually take like a year and a half away from performing to establish myself as rhiannon because Mm. i felt like if i was still going to perform and be transitioning that people would still see me as ryan the drag queen Mm. or ryan the performer i felt like i had to kind of go into a completely different industry which i did i went and trained Mm. to be a hairdresser um, to kind of establish myself in a bit more of a kind of, I don't like to use this word, but a normal normal world in kind of just a kind of regular job. Kimberly, you're sort of still in that world, which is interesting. So you're kind of, people yes. in those clubs are possibly thinking of you as a drag queen, maybe, or you, not? I, I think, you know, even if I wasn't on stage, I think some people would still consider you a, a, a drag queen you know how does that make you feel I think in the past well yeah I, I don't really like it really mm. I don't really like it now don't I in, in the past I really didn't like it but I've I've come to sort of be able to handle it a bit more now but I still don't like it I suppose it's but, context though yeah it? I mean I can't I can't really be too upset at people because there's a lot of people who are not educated about this you know so but I mean you know I have my own breasts you know so uh, drag queens don't really have <laughs> breasts it's almost like it undermines everything yes 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 definitely I'm wondering if now is a good time to sort of talk about the differences in terms let's start with transgender transgender is somebody who feels they were 
born into the wrong body. So um, I was born with a male body. On the inside, I feel more feminine. So transgender is somebody who decides to reassign their birth sex to become the gender which they feel comfortable in. A transvestite is predominantly a man who likes to dress in female clothes but still identifies as being male and does not want to transition into a female role in life. A cross-dresser is somebody who, who possibly wears women's clothes um, for a kink or potentially in the same lines as a, as a transvestite. Do you think it's worth mentioning sexuality in this as well and the separation between your gender identity and your sexuality because I've recently had to explain this whole thing to my mother and this was the sticking point I mean I was explaining the difference between transgender transsexual drag queens I think we were watching RuPaul's Drag Race which is where the conversation came can from. you talk a bit about that in my experience my sexuality hasn't changed I grew up attracted to men. I knew from a very early age I was attracted to men and since transitioning my sexuality hasn't changed so I'm still attracted to men but now my outwardly presentation is female. When I was in a male presentation I categorised myself as a gay man because I felt that like kind of coming forward as a woman wasn't necessarily like in my vocabulary yet and, and, I, and, I, and I understood and knew what being a gay man was. But now I've transitioned, I feel like actually I don't kind of need to determine my sexuality anymore. I'm just Rhiannon, who is attracted to people, and my current partner is male, and that's right. that. I think a lot of times sexuality doesn't change when you transition, actually. Like, you know, you're attracted to who you're attracted to, and that's that. Yeah. I'm not transgender because I was a gay man that liked dressing up as a mm. woman. Mm. Yeah. That didn't influence being transgender I was always transgender I just it took me 30 years to to get to realize that that's how I should be you know I'm happy to kind of say where I'm at right now to people because I think it just allows people into the process it kind of breaks down that wall of being like oh my god you're transgender I don't know how to relate to you because a lot of the time people especially in the beginning people were like would get confused in such a simple thing like pronouns and a pronoun is like he or she but I say always suggested to people just ask people if you see someone who you're it's not clear just say how would you like to me to address you you know what pronoun are you using it's kind of as simple as that really yeah. some people are even now choosing they for instance there's a lot of they's out there now and <laughs> <laughs> in Sweden they added an, a third pronoun to the dictionary and I believe it's Han or Hin that they, which is essentially their version of they, wow. which people who don't want to go by he or she are now using. Mm. And I like the MX, the, yeah. the alternative to Mr. or Ms. That's, mm. I'm into that. Yeah, you can have that on your passport as well. You can have mix on your passport. Really? It's interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know that. You're listening to She Said, a podcast from LUK. first met Rhiannon what, what can you talk a bit about that night or we've just kind of been friends for a while I think we've been friends for about 10, 10 actually, years actually we did a did film know... together ages yeah. ago but and I was an extra and you actually had a main part I wasn't gonna I wasn't gonna say that <laughs> <laughs> no but, but we, we really got to know each other yeah. 10 years ago at a venue called yeah. the supper club where supper we were club. both performing that's right regularly I was still Ryan then 
you were I actually remember when you decided to like you know start the transition and I remember having a conversation with you in the uh, dressing room and you were you were saying that you know there was you know you always felt something was wrong and how you felt you know transitioning was going to make your life complete while we're doing our makeup <laughs> so has Kimberly become a bit of a mentor to you yeah I needed somebody who who was in my kind of in my world being a performer yes. Kimberly also was doing drag before you transitioned mm -hmm. yes and so it was it was kind of confusing to be mm. kind of a female impersonator and mm. then being like actually this is how I feel yeah. I want to be all yeah. the time yes so yeah Kimberly was mentoring that way mm -hmm. and also going to her for advice mm. about how to transition mm. like how you do that on the NHS mm. in the UK and, mm. and the amount of time that might take when did you transition you know, it's, that, that's a really good question because, you know, I think I transitioned when I was probably a, a child in my head. I had transitioned. Uh, physically, I transitioned later in life. I've always, always been this feminine character, I, I guess you can say. But um, it's taken me a while to get to the point where I really feel like I can go out into society and go, yay, this is me. I think the thing which really drew me to Kimberly. Um, and cemented our friendship was because when I first decided to transition, I was like, right, I want to do this overnight. Like, mm. I want this all to be done as mm. soon as possible. Like, change my name, start hormones, get on the waiting list for gender reassignment surgery, do all that kind of stuff as soon as possible. Mm. And when we first met, like, we didn't actually get on, did we? We, we had quite a lot of, like, bickering and bitchiness. banter. It was banter. <laughs> The banter stopped when when she said, you know, when she started to transition. Because I mm. said to her, you know, I'll always be there for you. You have anything to, you know, ask? Just let me know. And that's when that's when the banter ended. I missed our banter. That's funny. Banter, that's a very nice way to put it. <laughs> we had dressing room banter. Yeah, come to the dressing room and I would just look at her like, just you know, a lot of side oh, eyes. look what's turned up, you know. But it was. <laughs> Yeah, you were saying that you wanted to get it all done straight away. So mm. it was the advice that Miss Kimberly gave you that it, it's not going to happen overnight. Yeah, absolutely. And she was like, you don't, you don't realistically want it to like calm down. Like she was like, I can understand, like that you feel like right now that this would be like the solution for your problems but like it takes time not only for for you to settle into a new gender identity but also for your friends and your family mm. and also like when you start taking medication like you have to allow time for your body to adapt mm. to all these new kind of chemicals yes. that you're adding yeah. and it's and it's just like she was like you're just gonna have to have patience unfortunately some people they go into it so fast and and you can end up regretting it, you know, and, and, um, and years later, you know, so many do. They want to, you know, transition back. Transition is not easy. It's, 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 it's not something you play with. So that's so why I'm like, you know, you got to take it slow and, you know, really get into your head. And it's got to be in your mind constantly, you know. So yes. can you talk a bit about the actual medical process? So there's, there's sort of two pathways you can take in the UK. You can go with the NHS or you can go with a, um, a private gender clinic um, to get a referral to the gender identity clinic which is a specific clinic which deals with people that want to transition you have to get a referral from your doctor as well as a doctor's referral I needed to be um, assessed by a local psychologist the psychologist asked me things about how long I'd been dressing in um, female clothes how long I, I had I felt this way things about my behavior my upbringing just kind of get a general sense of who I was 
and then I was referred to the gender clinic and from that process I started um, going to the clinic for regular assessments every couple of months and before I was put on hormone therapy treatment. What does that feel like when you start the hormone therapy? Heaven. Really? It feels like heaven, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Ooh, yeah, you know, you can breathe, you know? You get this kind of sense of kind of inner calm and, like, you can relax a bit more. Mm. Mm. Yeah. You know, you're adding estrogen to your body, and estrogen, in comparison to testosterone, is much more kind of calming, I Mm. think. So you're you're decreasing your testosterone levels. And we also have um, testosterone blockers which is an injection every three months. Yet? You started those. Yeah. I, I was really pushing you to take those, wasn't I? She was like, she just so what she's like, you? have you had your shots yet? Have you had your shots? <laughs> and it decreases your testosterone. So the, yes. you're adding estrogen to your body with the tablets, but you also need to decrease the testosterone because that brings your testosterone mm-hmm. level down. Mm-hmm. So it's um, it's in line with what a, a genetically born yeah. female testosterone yeah. level would and be. And it castrates okay. um, your male Parts. Gotcha. You can say the word. Couldn't get it out. <laughs> <laughs> but wait, so when you say castrates, though, like, what does that mean exactly? It reduces your libido and it prevents you having erections and ejaculation. Okay. Killing all the testosterone and, and testosterone makes sperm. So yeah. does that impact your sex drive in general, though? I think it changes your... I think it changes how you're aroused and changes kind of how sensual you feel. Yes, mm. yeah, definitely. Men and sex. Um, <laughs> so we have to say anymore. And, you know, and, and, and we, we become thinking more like women these days where it's not like the main issue on our mind. I think men go out and every six seconds or something or something like that they think of sex. Now, I'm happy to say I don't really have to engage in those thoughts anymore, and I really love that. It's nice to be able to go out and you're not looking at some guy thinking, oh, I really want to get off with him. (laughs) It's an amazing feeling. Absolutely amazing. She Said, the LUK podcast, broadcasting from the LUK fashion cupboard. Why don't we talk then about, like, the clothing every hand in it? As we sit in the fashion cupboard, surrounded by all of these amazing wardrobe pieces and shoes and bags. I'm looking for a size eight. (laughs) (laughs) The first, like, two or three months, I was still kind of wearing Ryan's clothes, but trying to be like, I'm female. And people were like, I don't really get what's going on here. Because it was like, wow, I can kind of literally buy anything I want to now within Mm -hmm. a female kind of wardrobe. But I'm afraid to, because I don't know what to buy. I don't know, like, what my look is going to be and also like you're kind of going okay I'm throwing away everything I've kind of collected over like 30 years kind of male stuff but Mm. also like I I had a massive drag cupboard of all these kind Mm. of sequin dresses and really kind of avant-garde pieces and I couldn't wear those either because they weren't something you could wear down the shops because you're having to dress a male body and trying to feminize a male body and obviously I hadn't started taking hormones yet so my features hadn't softened I still looked very masculine I had a m- much more of a masculine face that's what you think <laughs> <laughs> can I ask about trans men I feel mm. like in the wider conversation about how transgender is a very hot topic at the moment it's very prevalent in the media mm-hmm. what we're not really seeing is women who have transitioned to men as much and I'm wondering why that is we're starting to see it yeah. um, a lot of uh, trans men 
um, they just blended into society, didn't really make a big thing about it, but that is changing now. Um, you know, I have a friend named Jake, he was on the cover of one of the men's magazines, uh, as a, I think they said he was a, a man-made man or something like that, something like that. So it, it's starting to happen. I, I actually, when, when I'm performing, um, like when I do Gay Pride, I, my go-go dancers are actually um, female to male. Moving on, why don't we just talk about like some of the headlines that have been dominating the year? Um, Rhiannon, you wrote a really compelling reply to Jermaine Greer mm -hmm. and her recent statements that trans women aren't real women mm. and that they're in a sense like trying to take the spotlight against from real women and detracting from mm. the, the feminist movement. What she should have said is they're not biological women. They're transgender women. If she would have said that, it mm -hmm. wouldn't be so much anger towards her. Yeah, and Jermaine Greer also said, you know, that um, and men who transition to become women don't look sound or act like women. But I mean, look at this table. Look mm. how many presentations of womanhood there are mm. around this table. Yes, like that, that sentence is flawed right from the outset. Yes. So my, my response was that actually like, those terms are too restricting mm. and then that, and that there's many voices within womanhood and that they all should be heard. Mm. It's not about somebody who's born genetically as female versus somebody who transitions to become a woman. We're like we shouldn't be like battling each mm. other. Because we're all women and we all suffer the same prejudices. And mm. one argument that, that was coming up since that as well is that men who transition to become women don't know what it feels like, um, feel feel prejudice. And I do, you know, I, I do know what it's like to Mm. meant to be sexist towards me as well right. so we do have very common shared experiences and I think mm. that all needs to be discussed rather than this mm. is that and it will and you'll never be me we're not about trying to trying to be anyone apart mm. from ourselves at the end of the day the fact that I do have this platform at Elle magazine you know I, I should I should use that for these for these things mm. like when something like this comes into the media I, f I feel kind of like okay well I want to talk about this do you ever get tired of it though like taking on the role of educators for instance in America in particular I often grew up as being like the only black girl in certain mm. scenarios and so as a result I would have to take on the role of like mm. explaining certain ideas of black womanhood or whatever mm. or the idea that your hair can shrink and straighten and all like all these like little things which is fine it's education like but i remember especially during university there were times where i would just get tired of like mm. having to answer the same questions i really relate to to being a lesbian in the room and sometimes I feel like I would just love to kind of turn the tables and be ask straight people, so when did you know you were straight? And wow, straight mm. sex, how does that work? You know, just so those people that never have to answer those questions of their difference can kind of understand how it feels. To yeah. I think it depends on the context when it, of kind of when's the question, when, when it's asked and, yeah. and when it comes mm. up. I mean, if someone comes up to me in a bar, for instance, and wants to kind of be rude towards me, then, you know, I don't have as much patience as maybe somebody's mm. um, friend's auntie. In terms of um, kind of taking on the baton with Elle magazine of being a transgender columnist, I'm extremely grateful to be able to have this position mm. and that I'm, I'm the one that can educate these people because I have a lot of time to tell people about the transitioning process because it is really unclear for a lot of people who don't transition. It's unclear for people who are transitioning. Like, So, you know, the, the more voices that are out there to kind of show people how to navigate this this kind of life and journey the better what about like you mentioned sexism what was that like to transition into womanhood and then began 
begin experiencing things like mansplaining or maybe the gender pay gap. The first time I got kind of honked by a guy in a van, it was like, okay, this is quite wrong, but yes, in a sense of achievement. Because ah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, finally, like, all right, you know, the world is kind of like seeing me how I want to be seen. But the flip side of that is it's been scary. I mean, I've, I was walking down um, Kingsland Road on my own um, on a Friday night, not particularly very late. I got kind of pulled in by a group of guys. They were being quite playful and then kind of wanted to ask me my name and my number mm. and stuff, but it was just like, okay then. And I've had my bum pinched at weddings by guys. It's just like, it's that kind of behavior. Mm. In terms of the gender pay gap, I haven't experienced that. I do notice, um, especially in the gay scene, um, the um, the boys, you know, the muscle boys, you know, they they get treated better and they get more <laughs> money. <laughs> That's outrageous. You know, it does my head in. <laughs> they get better changing rooms as well, right? Yeah, they get everything. Really? Because they're men. You're listening to She Said, a podcast from L.U.K. Maybe it's worth talking about Caitlyn Jenner a bit here because she has become the figurehead for the, the trans community in some respects. How does that feel for the general trans community? For me, I, <laughs> I don't appreciate it. I don't like it. I don't feel that she is a positive figurehead for my community and I'll tell you why uh, first of all uh, by her being a Republican and saying that she doesn't feel um, comfortable with gay marriage when she is now a part of society that has had to struggle for s social justice also this thing about her being heterosexual I'm sorry but if you want to be considered and accepted as a woman and you sleep with women, you are a lesbian. Mm -hmm. But because she is a Republican, <laughs> she has to call herself heterosexual. And I think that's a cop out. However, I do think she has done some good. You know, there are some stories about her helping young transgender women. Interesting. <laughs> right. How do you feel, Rhiannon? Um, similar thoughts to Kimberly. I think it is frustrating. The privileges she has as a um, a white, heteronormative, um, very rich male have kind of come with her in the transition. So, you know, she can quite happily, you know, lounge around her Malibu pool in, uh, in a bikini and have the security that that all the security that she has makes that okay whereas I can't do that I can't go to my <clears throat> leisure center in a swimming costume you know I, I have I can't do that yet but just to play devil's advocate slightly mm -hmm. here what Caitlyn Jenner has done is taken that issue of being transgender to a whole vast new audience of mm -hmm. Kardashian fans who let's face it mm. it's probably the first time that they've been presented with a trans person yeah yeah. And surely that must have some value. Definitely. You know, there's always been like these trans women who uh, who were kind of like our role models. I mean, like Tula, uh, Caroline Cassie, who was a Bond girl. 
Um, and of course, there's the other lady who, she was the model for Vogue back in the 60s. April, April Ashley. Mm -hmm. You know, these, these, these women, those are our real, you know, heroes, really. And, um, and uh, uh, transgender women that we, you know, look up to, you know, I, I, I do not look up to Caitlyn at all. Women like uh, April Ashley and, and Caroline, they have really gone through the struggle. I, I, I just think that if Caitlyn wasn't who she was as a man and she wasn't on Kardashians, it wouldn't be such a huge uproar, Yeah, it's basically. true. Mm -hmm. And because of yeah. women like her, well, mainly because of Caitlyn, yeah. being trans is very right now, which Rhiannon said very early on mm. when we started working together, like, I quote Rhiannon, being trans is very right now, um, not really. Mm -hmm. And yeah. then you were just went on to talk about, like, those women, like yeah. April Ashley, yeah. Ashley, who really paved the way. Uh, Even recently, like in the past 10 years or so, we have Leah T., who uh -huh. was um, who kind of paved the way in fashion? I think, yeah. um, you know, she's very close friends with Ricardo Tisci. Appeared in Givenchy campaigns. Went on to become the first trans woman face of a major global beauty brand open, with Redken. Open trans woman, because I think there's always been trans women who've been in the fashion industry. Yeah, but it was kept kind of like on the down low. Oh, interesting. You know, the, it goes back um, years, years. I mean, there, there's been. Uh, trans women on the cover of, uh, of I know Jet Magazine I can think oh, really? yeah. yeah back in like I think the 50s or 60s it's been 50 years since mm. the Stonewall Riots and the Stonewall Riots were started mm -hmm. by, by a black trans woman yeah. Marsha so, P. Johnson Marsha P. Johnson yeah. so now mm. it's 50 years later we have a black trans woman on the cover of Time Magazine amazing it's taken time All right, thanks Rhiannon and Kimberly for joining us today. And for all of you who are listening, don't forget to buy the January issue, which features Rhiannon's story of her transition. You've been listening to She Said, the LUK podcast. Visit luk.com forward slash podcasts to subscribe. That was a Boom Shakalaka production for LUK.